The message you are about to listen to is from the Household of David Mercy Conference 2023, themed Light. As you listen, the entrance of God's Word will bring light and understanding to you. Be blessed. I have an assignment today, and then I'm going to sit down. It's amazing to me that since I've been back, I've only been back in Nigeria maybe two, three days because I've been traveling. Um, But since I've been back, I've been invited to two meetings now, and the theme has been light. So I guess the Holy Spirit must be saying something to Nigeria. I'm mindful that... I have an assignment to the body around the world and God has entrusted me like he's entrusted many of you with a very specific assignment and I don't know about you but I want to hear God say well done good and faithful not good or faithful not that I was good but I wasn't faithful and not that I was faithful but I wasn't good I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful for the deliberation and the release of the assignment. My ambition is not to die old. My ambition is to die finished. I came here full. I want to leave the world empty. I want to pour out everything that God has put on the inside of me. And so... I've been traveling a lot, making sure that the assignment is finished. Because according to the book of Romans, it says, how then can they call upon the one whom they have not received? And how can they receive in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? For as it is written, beautiful upon the mountaintop are the feet. Somebody look at your feet. Say you're beautiful. You see, it's amazing that the thing you call the ugliest part of your body, God calls the most beautiful. He says, beautiful are the feet of they that bring forth the good tidings. And I believe that God is going to show you why your feet are so beautiful today. Uh, And then I'm going to sit down. My message is all about your feet, by the way. Yes. We're going to talk about the gospel of feet. And I want to help you understand the importance of your feet to the end time assignment that God has placed on your life. But let's take our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 19 verse 11 and we're going to begin there. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm reading from, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. If you can help me with that, that would be great. Luke chapter 9 verse 13, and I'll be reading, sorry, Luke 19 verse 13, and I'll try and read from the NKJ. Let's go from verse 10. Um, actually, if we can, maybe I'll shift translations because I really want you to grab a hold of a key word. Mm. Just 
bear with me while I find the translation I would want. King James, not New King James. Thank you, King James. The Bible says in Luke 19, verse 10, it says, I'll go from verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable. Somebody say parable. Because he thought that his time was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of heaven should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman. Now, he, he's explaining to them a parable with a specific intent. The intention of the parables are always mentioned within the parables themselves. In, in one verse he says he spoke to them a parable with this intent that men ought always pray and never lose heart. In this place he spoke unto them a parable because they believed that his coming was the second coming. They believe, and by the way, if you don't talk back to me, I get nervous. I believe in a talking church. I don't believe in a silent church. So just say amen, even if you don't get it, you'll get it later. Okay, so, so he, he, he said, in this place, the reason I am telling you this parable, and the word parable is broken into two words, parallel bole. Parallel bole, it means a parallel bole story. In other words, every time Jesus prefaced the kingdom, he always prefaced it in the form of parallel stories because he knew that heaven and earth were parallel dimensions of one another. This is why the success of Jesus' prayer was let your kingdom come, let your will be in as it is in heaven because he understood the parallel dimension of heaven working in tandem with earth. So he used parables to describe heavenly concepts. But this time he spoke a specific parable because they thought that Jesus was come to remove the Romans out of the way and sit upon the throne of David and establish himself as the eternal king forever and ever. So he said this parable to them because they believed that they were in the end times. Thank you for the five amens. I'll take it. Many of you believe today that you are in the end times. And so Jesus is speaking this parable to the Facebook eschatologist. The social media end time warrior who looks at COVID-19 and says Jesus must be coming back because you got one plague. Listen, Pharaoh had many plagues. He would have rolled over in his grave just to slap many of us and say, look what I went through. You complaining about a flu. Oh, church, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Hey, listen, he, he, he said, I'm speaking this parable lest you recline into a lazy boy end time eschatology. Lest you sit and recline and say, Jesus is coming back soon to deliver us from Nigeria and rapture us out of here and beam me up Scotty like I'm in Star Trek somehow and all of a sudden deliver me from this terrible perdition that we're in called Nigeria. Hopefully Jesus must be coming back. So he's, if that's you, he said, I'm going to speak this parable to you. 
He said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Up until this time, none of them knew that Jesus was going to die. In fact, even when Jesus explained that he was going to die, they still couldn't understand that he was going to die. And the question you must ask yourself is, why, if God is real, why would he come as a person? Why would he come, thank you, son, why would he come as a person? If God is real, why does he come as a son? Many people don't understand the reason Jesus had to come as a son. Because we live in a democracy and God is not a democrat. God is not interested in democracy. The problem with democracy is when you make a, a, a uh, oh, help me say this right word. I studied law and I can't even remember the word. When you make a uh, policy, you can repeal the policies. But when a king makes a decree, it can never be repealed. In fact, the Bible goes as far as saying, when the king speaks, who dares ask him why? Because in the word of a king, there is power. When, when Nebuchadnezzar spoke that Daniel should die and be thrown in the lion's pit, all of a sudden he, he, uh, he changed his mind because he figured out who it was. And he said, please. And the satrap said, you're a king. You can't take back what you said. When they came to Xerxes and they said to Xerxes, please, can you change the word that you've decreed about the killing of the children of Israel? He said, I cannot change the testament. I can only make a new testament. Oh, somebody's about to get this in a minute. Listen, so why did God have to come as Jesus? The Muslims asked that question because because the only way to repeal the word of a king is that the king who made the decree has to die. Good God help me. This is why Apostle Paul the lawyer said that the death of the testator ends the will of the testator. And so you have to understand that Jesus is nothing more than God killable. Good God help me, this is just my introduction. Jesus is God killable. Because when Jesus dies, the law of the testament dies with him. But had they had known they crucified the Lord of glory, that on the third day he would rise again and make a new testament. So the Bible lets us know a certain nobleman went into a distant country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. That means that the, the coming that they thought was the second coming was literally the first coming. And according to scripture, he's going to return. And he called 10 of his servants and delivered to them 10 pounds and said to them, occupy till I come he did not say occupy till you're tired he did not say be preoccupied till I come he didn't even say attend church 
until I come. The exact word he used was occupy till you see me crack the sky and return back to you. Now, an occupying army is a United Nations terminology. The term occupying army, according to the United Nations Charter, is an interim form of military government sent to fill a vacuum temporarily in lieu of a more permanent form of government. And so you see that Barack Obama went into Afghanistan, defeated the caliphate, and when he defeated the caliphate, he became a conqueror. But then he released what was called the occupying army. And the occupying army always comes after the infantry. Because the assignment of the occupying army is to make sure that the caliphate and the Taliban doesn't reinsurge. Their job is not to start a war because the war had already been finished in a previous administration. I hope somebody's hearing this. Their assignment is to occupy until the permanent government comes to establish his reign. Watch this. Biden had one job. Some say Biden had one job. Keep the occupying army in Afghanistan. But the moment he withdrew the occupying army, Afghanistan reinsurged itself. The caliphate got rebuilt because everything in the spirit realm loves a vacuum. That's why the Bible says when a demon comes out of a person, it goes through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then it says, I will return to my house and finding it unoccupied. Because Satan loves unoccupied spaces. He has a legal right to enter a place that says vacant. Oh, let me explain it to you. In this quick analogy, because I'm, I'm watching the time go by very quickly and I wish I could reverse some hours just so I could give you I could have more time to say this but look at this let me explain this to you very quickly Nigeria um, Evander Holyfield defeated Mike Tyson terrible everybody was sad when it happened but he knocked him out undisputed champion of the world he became a conqueror Evander Holyfield brought the check and gave it to his wife the wife cashed the check and then went to Dubai Basia. the ladies are waking up now and he brought Prada and Gucci and Randy Malubaton how many of you speak in them tongues yes bought Louis, bought everything you have to understand, Evander Holyfield is a conqueror. His wife is more than a conqueror. Oh, come on now. 2,000 years ago, 
Jesus defeated Satan on the cross and gave the check of his victory to the bride. Jesus is a conqueror. You are more than a... Come on, tap somebody and say, I'm more than, I'm more than. I'm more than a conqueror. Watch this. Your assignment is simple. It's not fight. It is fight, but it's not fight. The first assignment is stand. And after doing all you can to stand, stand firm then. The biggest threat to the enemy is a saint that's occupying. Let me give you a little brief biblical history. And let's go back to the book of Genesis. If you want to know where Genesis is, it's at the end of your Bible. Let's take our Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Now Genesis is the book of genetics. That's why it's called Genesis. Because it describes your genetic makeup. Because if you don't know your, your genetic, you'll settle for your cosmetic. Good God help me. The Bible says before I formed you, I knew you. Form is cosmetic. New is genetic. So God said there's a version of you I knew before the version of you I formed. And if you're not careful, according to Timothy, you'll embrace the form of godliness that denies the power that can make you godly. So God said before I formed you, hey, hey, I knew you now look at this in genesis the bible says in the beginning elohim created bara the shamayim and the erets the heavens and the earth and the erets was tohu bohu it was formless and void and darkness darkness was upon the face of the deep the word deep is the word abyss i wish i could teach about that but i'm resisting the urge for a segue and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters why because waters the bible says are a vault they lock up darkness i wish i could preach that but i'm not going to preach it today and god said let god said let somebody say let why did god say let because let is not a subject of creation let is a subject of permission god created the world in genesis 1 verse 1 and genesis 1 verse 2 god permitted the earth in genesis 1 verse 3 uh, uh, because, and I wish I could go there for you and tell you the history of that, but I don't have time right now. But God said, let. When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, let. Why did he say let? Because he understood how his father prayed. His father said, let. So he too said, let. Now, when you say let, you have to understand that heaven is a parallel dimension of earth. That's why Jesus speaks in parables. Are you keeping up with me so far? Because earth is a prototype of heaven. And if you're not careful in understanding that earth is a prototype of heaven, you will become a stereotype and not a prototype. I'm going somewhere with this. So God said, let us make trees after their kind. What kind? So he took the gene of the tree kind in heaven, breathed it in the earth. Look to the one in heaven, look to the one in the earth. 
oh, it's good, baby. And he moved on. And he said, let's make insects after that kind. Look to the one in heaven. Look to the one. It's good. Let's make uh, animals after that kind. What kind? The one in heaven. So look to the one in heaven. Look to the one on earth. It's good. And God said, I've made everything on earth as it is in heaven. But one thing is missing. Good God. Some of you are getting it. He said, let us. Let us make us. Good God, I'm about to feel it in this house. Let us make us. Watch this. And the same way we rule heaven, let's make an us that rules earth as it is. And so God, watch this. God made a twin. And there's certain messages you can only preach when you're a twin. One day I was invited to Scotland. I've repented since, don't judge me. I lost my passport. So I went to my twin brother. I've repented since, don't judge me. And I said to my brother, I said, bro, can I borrow your passport? Because God will give you revelation even whilst you're in sin. And I realized that a passport is broken into two words, man of God. To pass a portal. Ah, God help me. And I re- I'm about to get a little Pentecostal in this. And I realized that in order to pass the portal, all I needed to do was not be educated, not be informed. I just needed to line up with an image. So I took my brother's passport and I went to the place and I'm called Tommy. My brother's called Toby. And I took his passport and I went to the lady. She looked at the passport. She looked at me and she said, welcome on board, Toby. And I walked onto the plane and I passed the portal by looking like somebody else. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Listen. I use somebody else's name to enter in. Some of you are using a name that you're not in the image of. And that's called using the name in vain. You gotta look like him to use his name. You can't just be shouting that stuff, come out in Jesus' name. The devil will look at you and say, Paul, I know, Silas, I know, but who in hell are you? One day, I was with my brother in Abuja, and he needed his iPad to be unlocked, and it's a facial recognition iPad, and I sat to myself, man of God, and I wondered if being in his image gives me his access. So I said, bring me his iPad. They brought me his iPad, and I looked at the iPad, and it unlocked for me like it unlocked for him. Why? Because being in somebody else's image will give you their access. Listen to me. Christianity is not a religion. It's a reflection. The moment I look like him, that's why the Bible says you've got to look in the mirror to see who you are, and don't go away and forget what kind. Sit 
down for a second. You all are getting me too excited. So God made everything after its kind. Oh, everything after its kind. And God made himself so that Satan couldn't tell the difference between Adam and God. And God said, have dominion. Woo. Woo. And then, in case you don't understand the physics or of before I formed you, I knew you. Holla, hang on, move on over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. If we can get Genesis 2, verse 7 on the screen, in case you don't understand. And the Lord God formed. Oh, some of you missed it. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before I Genesis 2'd you, I Genesis 1'd you. Oh, and if you're not careful, you'll live in the cosmetic and you'll miss your genetics. The form is man, the image is God. And so he tells him in the end times, people will embrace the Genesis 2 that denies them the power of the Genesis 1. Because Genesis 1 has dominion. Genesis 2, the flesh profits nothing. Watch this. So God made a man of dust. Why? Because you can't have dominion without dust. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But let me move down for a second because God said something interesting. He said it's not good for the man. It's the first time God said it's not good, by the way. Listen, it's not that it's not good for Genesis 1 to be alone. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to be married. We're going to live like Genesis 1. We don't need marriage. It's not good for Genesis 2 to be alone. And listen, God didn't say, I'll make him a wife. God said, I'll make him a helper. The word helper is the Hebrew word azer. Do you mind if I segue for a second? I'll come right back to my message. It's the word azer. Some say azer. It means warrior. It's only used in times of war. God is my help in times of war. There's a military assistant because Adam was a gardener. God said, it's not good for him to garden unprotected. Good God, help me. So I'm going to make for the gardener a warrior. So he can have the spade and she can have the blade. What's this? And the Bible says in verse 19, it should say out of the ground. The Lord God formed. So Genesis 1 is creation. Genesis 2 is formation. God is reforming in Genesis 2. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the earth. This is when animals became 3D. Oh, good God, help me. And he formed them and brought them to Adam. Why? Because as long as he was in Adam's realm, Adam had to name them. 
because God does not violate his protocol. So he brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. And whatever Adam called them, that was its name. What does it mean? He brings an animal to Adam that was a lion, but didn't tell Adam it was a lion. Because he wanted to see if Adam could call those things that be not. Because they already were. He just needed to see if he's going to establish it in earth as it is in heaven. So he brings him, he says, what do you call this? And Adam goes, lion. God said, that's my boy. Oh, he brings a giraffe to him. He said, hey, 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 what do you call this here? Is that a giraffe? God says, well done. But it says, and Adam named, called every living creature. He didn't name it. He called it. Because God already named it. You see, there's a real problem when you say, I am stupid. I am dumb. I am too old. I am too young. Whenever you say that, God says blasphemy. Because God's first name is I am. So every time you say, I am stupid, God says, blasphemy. I am dumb. God says, blasphemy. Because faith is calling those things that be not. So next time you get your kids and you think of calling them dumb, just ask God, what did you name them? Because they'll not activate it until you call them what God named them. So stop name calling and start calling their name. I'm about to run out this room in a minute. Oh, Jesus. Now look, read what it says. Uh, Verse 20, very quickly because of time. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found to help me. This is how I know God wasn't looking for a wife for Adam. I'm about to ruin marriage ministries forever. Because why would God look for a wife among animals? Oh, my brother, Pastor Daniel, is here. Love you, sir. Why would God look among animals for a spouse if the intention was marriage? Oh, I've got 20 minutes left, quickly. Um, have you ever asked God for a spouse? Or some of you lying. Lying spirit, leave. In Jesus' name. Have you ever asked God for a spouse and then got a snake? Why would God promise you a spouse and then send you a dog? Ah. <sighs> He brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. He didn't bring them to Adam to see if he would date them. Oh, come on now. Some of you are like, God, you brought it to me. I thought you brought it to me because I was supposed to. No, no, you were supposed to name it, not to date it. But the problem is you were more desperate than discerning. And so you ended up dating everything that God brought to you to name. Some people, you're supposed to. Snake, wolf, liar, dog, cheat. Get out of my way. Oh, help me preach today. He brought him. 
Good God Almighty. But for Adam was not found a help me suitable. And so God caused a deep sleep, took a rib, and brought him to Adam to see what he would name her. And Adam looked at her, and he did not call. This was the first time. Everybody looks at the fall, but we don't look at the pride that comes before the fall. This was the first time Adam didn't call something what God called it. God called her Ezer. Adam called her Isha. Isha means woman. It means adulterated. He said, I'll call her adulterated because she came from me. And then the Bible says, this explains. This explains why a man leaves his house and is joined to his wife. You see, this is why Jesus said, in the beginning it was not so. This explains why a man leaves his wife and the two are joined together and they become one flesh. What explains what Adam did? Because in Genesis chapter 3, the war came. But the war came to the warrior. But because she was not named warrior, she ended up having a conversation with the very thing that she was called to kill. Listen to me, man. There's a danger in not calling your wives what God called them. Uh, Let me finish this. So God... God looks at Adam and God says, have dominion. The word dominion is not to be mistaken with the word kingdom. The word, even though they're related, they're not the same. The word dominion, according to etymology, comes from the word domicile, which is where we get the word house or domestic. You cannot have dominion outside of a house. You can have kingdom outside of a house, but you can't have dominion outside of a house. When the British took over Nigeria and and conquered it, they established the kingdom of Britain in Nigeria. But they did not establish the dominion of Britain until they sent their own children and made them lords. Because kingdom belongs to kings, dominion belongs to lords. Follow me very quickly. Therefore, a lord can become more powerful than a king. Because even though a king owns the air, a lord owns the ground. That's why they're called landlord. Which is why when God made Adam, he promoted himself to king of kings. And lord of lords. But watch this. Even though the... God ruled the air. He could not rule the earth until he made a house. And the house was called a body. And he said, as long as I live in the domicile, you will have dominion. Very important that you understand this. The house is important to dominion. Essential. Satan's kingdom is called the kingdom of darkness. It's not called the dominion of darkness. And I'll tell you why. The word dominion means foothold. I told you I was going to bring it back to feet. In other words, you cannot have dominion without feet. 
when Joshua returned from the defeat of the kings, he called the tribes of Israel and said, stand on the neck of your enemy. Why? Because Yeshua son of Nun was a type of Yeshua HaMashiach. He said, I have destroyed him, but you must occupy by putting your foot on the neck and making sure till I come back, he never stands up again in Nigeria. Watch this. How do you do it? When they said of Jesus, he cast out demons with the help of demons. I hope you can help me find that verse because my, my internet has just run out. He, he cast out demons. Remember that? He cast out demons with the help of demons. Do you remember what Jesus said? Satan can't rise against Satan. That's called civil war. He said only the church does that. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Let me behave myself. He says only the church fights the church. In the kingdom of darkness, they work together. In fact, when a demon has gone out of a person, it finds seven stronger than he. Try getting the church to say your prayer life is stronger than mine. Can we gather together? Your prophetic anointing is greater than mine. Can we gather together? So Satan is strategic in his coordination. Demons work together. Satan doesn't cast out Satan. That's it, verse 16. Jesus said, uh, verse 17. Yeah, a kingdom divided against itself comes to desolation. Watch this. And if a house is divided. Notice the separation between kingdom and domicile. The word kingdom is the word basilia. comes from the root word base, which means the sole of the foot. So Jesus is saying, feet that are divided can't stand. Millions of churches in Nigeria, but if the feet are divided, this is why when Jesus talked about the kingdom, he always spoke in tens, five virgins, five wise, five foolish entrusting 10 servants. Why? Because there are 10 toes on your feet. And each one of them is instrumental to the standing of the body in every nation. And if the feet are divided, it doesn't matter how many churches are in Nigeria, if the feet are divided by cosmetics, Yoruba, Hausa, Ibo, denomination. That kingdom cannot stand. And if the domicile is divided, how can it stand? Because you can have a kingdom and not have a dominion. I was reading the National Geographic the other day, and a document came up to me that blew my mind shouldn't have blown my mind but it did they discovered on x-ray of python sir that pythons and other snakes of that variety used to have legs they can tell you where the hip joint is where the leg should have been in fact if you look at the x-ray you can even see a stump where a leg should have formed and they're saying in the document we're baffled as to how the snake lost its legs 
Google it. It's National Geographic. Check it out. It's, it's, it'll blow your mind. Watch this. Hmm. If dominion is feet. When God looked at Satan, he said, here's what's going to happen. On your belly, you will go. In other words, I'm about to take away your dominion. You'll still have a kingdom, but you won't have a dominion. Because I'm about to take... Listen, Satan is defeat. Good God, help me preach. He's defeated. So God says, Eve, looky here, Eve. God says, Eve, here's the problem. Because you're a warrior, I'm going to put hatred between you and that snake. Between your seed and her seed, his seed. The problem is, the good news is your seed is going to occupy to the point that it crushes its head. But the downside is, before it can crush your head, he's going to try and catch your children by their feet. Why? Because a footless foe wants to get feet back. Good God help me preach this. Satan is looking for a house. Satan is looking for dominion. And he can only have dominion in a domicile. And so the first work Jesus said before speaking in tongues and healing the sick. He said cast out devils. The Bible says of Job, Satan, God said to Satan, you can touch him, but, but don't, don't kill him. And the Bible says, and Satan struck Job from the sole of his foot. Because Satan wants his feet back. He knows the only way to establish a foothold in Nigeria is through one of us. So watch this. Jesus, seeing that he had all power of the devil, knowing that his time for the kingdom would soon appear, stooped down and started washing feet. And they're looking, what? What, 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 what are you doing? Peter said, why are you washing feet? He said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Why? Because he said, he said when you enter any town and the town is unworthy, you must clean the dust well, off of your feet. Why? Because Satan is allowed to eat dust. And God wants to make sure that there's no place for the enemy to enter your life. says I must clean your feet because the accuser is coming and he has no part in me and if you want him to have no part in you I've got to clean the dust off your feet and he said if that's the case wash my whole body as well he said I don't need to wash your body the body is clean it's the feet I need to wash it's feet that run to evil that I need to clean up it's the feet that are directing the body so if I can clean your feet 
Watch this. If you understand this, you'll understand that angels are a foot ministry. For he will give his angels charge over you. They shall keep you in all your ways, lest you dash your feet. Angels like, watch out, watch out. Don't let your feet touch that. your ten toes were made to crush the head of Satan and he's afraid of the day your feet stop running to evil and your feet begin to occupy so he says after doing all you can to stand Stand. In other words, occupy. Tap somebody and say, occupy. Now, Jesus, a lot of what we call church today, God calls greenhouse. Because a greenhouse is a place where you can only thrive as long as you're in a conditioned environment. But my Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and if you do I'll call your feet beautiful he says go why he who descended is the very one who ascended far above the heavens in order that he might feel your church all things go listen God wants to fill Nollywood, CNN, MSNBC, the medical ward. Listen, God even gave two midwives in the abortion clinic. He said, you stand there and you make sure those babies aren't aborted. <laughs> because God wants to fill everything. You, you might be saying, no, no, I don't want them to go and get lost. Because, you know, there's so much darkness in the spiritual world. Well, what? What's in your spirit, Casper? You ain't got Casper the friendly ghost. You got Jesus the Holy Ghost. And greater is he that is in me than the one that is in the world. Listen. YouTube deleted my YouTube account three times. I was in the international newspapers for 24 to 48 hours. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC running my name through the dirt. YouTube deleted my account, locked me out, closed my AdSense account, and I went to cry. <laughs> God. And the Lord said, when are you going to build your own YouTube? I said, what? He said, when are you going to build your own YouTube? So I hired a tech firm. I hired some people in the Philippines. And I said, hey, boys. We're about to build our own YouTube. And we're going to call it the home of the cancelled in culture. We're going to put the name invasion on it. And we're going to spell invasion with a Z. So people can know Zion is at the end of the invasion. I hope you understand. So we got together and we started building this whole. It's built by the way. 
InvasionTV.com. You can check it out. You subscribe, upload your videos. And then one day, I was sitting there wondering about the entertainment dream I had. And the Lord said, when are you going to start the entertainment dream? I said, entertainment? God, how can people see a prophet in entertainment? I want to feel all things. So I got together with some people and became the chief executive producer of Africa's largest talent show. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. Because Jesus wants to feel. He wants to put his hands in everything. I was at the United Nations and they pulled together some ambassadors. And I remember one ambassador came in and she had the whole kind of hijab on. And I started to think to myself in my religious mind, how can I bless this Muslim? And the Lord said, isn't prophecy for everybody? So I started to prophesy over Madam Ambassador. And as I'm prophesying over her through her hijab, tears are streaming down her face. She says to me, Prophet Tommy, my daughter is in a mental ward. Can you come to the mental ward in Geneva and pray for her? I said, Madam Ambassador, I'll pray for her, but I'll only pray for her in the name of Jesus. She said, that's fine. I now believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Could God help me preach? Because Jesus wants to fill everything. I was invited to Europe's largest prison to preach there. And I went notorious prison. And I went there shaking in my boots. Because, you know, you're used to Pentecostal responses. And when you're so used to Pentecostal responses, you don't know what to do in the largest female prison in Europe when they're all high and, and weird and, and, and junkies and all of that stuff and murderers and bandits. And they came in laughing and giggling and, and all of that stuff. And when I picked up this young lady, I looked at her and I said, hey, the spirit of God says, when I put you in your body, I did not make a mistake. So I canceled that gender reassignment surgery you're going for tomorrow. She looked at me. She stopped crying. How did you know that? The whole prison ward got saved. Come on now, because Jesus wants to feel everything. I was in Kenya and when I was preaching the president of Kenya invited me to come and speak to him you just saw it in the video and I looked him in the eye and I said the Lord will give you this nation if you do these several things and he looked at me and said first of all he looked at me like who is this young man telling me what to do and then the next day I heard the Lord say tell him I've given them the mantle of the nation and I looked at him and said the Lord just told me to tell you he's given you the mantle of the nation you saw it in the video and the next thing you know they were announced as the president of Kenya and when they were asked in the press meeting what what do you think led to this unprecedented win it was not supposed to happen and this was their response you are alpha and omega we worship you oh lord you are worthy to be praised we give you
ago, I met a young man in a meeting in Warri. I looked at him and I said, I see a crown coming on your head. I see lost inheritance and I see the Lord doing the unprecedented and restoring a crown back to you. Three years later, the uncle who usurped his throne dropped dead. They said, we made a mistake. We should have made this person king. They said, how can I become a king of a fetish kingdom? I said, how can Daniel go to Hogwarts and still keep his integrity? You better march up in there and become the king of a nation and give the kingdom back to God. He went and received the crown. He sat in front of BBC Africa and all of the news channels. And he said, take the stage, Lord and have your way I'm just a vessel and nothing more when you're done please take the glory I'm satisfied and he finished the meeting and the coronation in front of all the chiefs and all of the fetish people of the kingdom saying this, the kingdom of worry has now become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. I declare over this nation that the Lord is raising an occupying army. That at a time when men are fleeing, we're coming into this nation in the spirit of John the Baptist to say, prepare the way of the Lord. I declare a turnaround in the name of Jesus is coming. I declare a plot twist is coming. I declare light shall shine in the darkness. I declare you shall arise. I declare it will not be about a general election. It will be about God's elect rising up to take their place. Occupy till he comes. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give God a shout. Thank you for listening to this message. To find out more about the Household of David, visit our website www.householdofdavid.org. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Mixlr. Or join us for one of our services at Praise Sanctuary, number 7 Surulere Industrial Road off Adeni Jones, Ikeja, Lagos. God bless you.